1: And John McMullen.
2: And here we go, here we go!
1: Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365.
3: All Friday during Dallas week, this is the Mac and Led Birds three sixty five pre cowboy show. Yeah, we'll get the pre game show right before the game on on Sunday, but the last turn of the week dedicated purely to your Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, McMullen and McDonald here with you for the next two hours, and two good guests coming your way. Um, I don't reference this often the stream we've got a bunch of loyal streamers who check in and uh, some who comment on our stream on our feed uh and we've gotten four to jump in early today some jump in before we start we started pretty damn close on time today uh uh, jody what your alarm go late again if we're a minute late yeah i always (laughs) take my ribbon because that's happened to me a couple of times in three years um uh here in today's streams good morning guys good morning bird gang good morning Morning, Mac and Mac. Morning, Birds <laughs> fans.
4: It, Those, it aren't aren't bad. Those
3: aren't bad. Those are pleasantries, Johnny bad. Mac. How about we that? We don't always get pleasantries on our no. stream here. Now that's nice. People sexy.
4: day. it's the uh, holiday season. Maybe everybody. Yeah, that's what you think it
3: is. You think it's maybe the everybody's taking a
4: positive approach. I don't think it's been like that this week. I've been stunned at the angst and anger um, from the Eagles fan base. Um, you know coming off a uh, look it was a bad game but uh, i mean this this team has built some equity put some good stuff in the bank you would think they'd get a little bit of a benefit of the doubt but i haven't seen much of that
3: i think timeline has a lot to do with it after the game, yeah, you're gonna be mad. Yeah, you're gonna be disappointed. Yeah, you might be flat out ticked off with the lack of effort. And the thing that got me most, and and I can't deny what the fans said, that the Eagles could not match the intensity of the 49ers. And the 49ers were certainly more intense. I'm not here to tell you. Oh, what do you mean, the Eagles played just as well? No, they didn't. Um, but I think it was a talent thing more than it was an intensity thing. People didn't give the 49ers enough credit coming into that game. Um, And there was a little bit, certainly more desperation on the uh, 49ers part because they're two games back coming into the game. (laughs) The Eagles had a two-game lead. So desperation, I thought, would have been a better word to describe it than intensity. Uh, But I think just as a general uh, fan base, Eagle Nation, I think they undersold the 49ers coming in. I'm with you here, Johnny Mac. I'm ready to turn back the clock. We, we, we've we got to put the 49ers to bed. Make another shot at the 49ers somewhere down the road, and it'll be an important game, more important game than week 13 of the NFL regular season. The question is, will it be at the link again? Are they going to have to go out to the West Coast to beat the 49ers? Uh, but we don't need to worry about that. The Eagles just have to take care of their own business this week. And they're going to take, uh, take it against the Dallas Cowboys. And yeah, here's one thing I would implore all the Eagle fans to do. When you're trying to figure out how good a chance the Eagles have to win this game, don't just concentrate on what they did last Sunday against the 49ers. They've had an entire season. You just said it, John. They put some goodwill in the bank. They were 10-1 and one coming into that game. Uh, there were a weird ten and one into the fact that there were games that they didn't play great but found a way to win, which I think is more of a good thing than a bad. But now they're ten and two. Don't just look at zero and one in the last six days. They're ten and two for the season. They have played Dallas already in a weird game again. I was just going through it again, John. I uh,
5: it's now yeah. a
3: month ago that last drive that the Cowboys had is so. Fr- <laughs> You just crazy. It was you crazy. can't. You can't even put that in a perspective. How yeah. do you let them get sixty yards in two plays with the two penalties and let them get into a position? They're at the fourteen yard line with forty some seconds to go and no timeouts, and they get to the six, and then they back up yeah. and they're on the thirty one. Holy yeah. mackerel, it's just the weirdest thing. If you want to go back, if you got a copy of the tape, go back and watch it. If you want to just check it out, go back and check the play by play. It just is borderline inexplicable the way that game ended, but it ended with the Eagles winning, right?
4: Yeah, it did. Um, and you know, it, 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 it's funny how quickly you forget because I think the issue in that game was taken to get uh, the foot off the pedal, the Eagles had that game in control entering the fourth quarter and i got very very conservative and they let dallas come back into it and almost win it um and i think that you know if you converse that with this week and the run the ball narrative and all that kind of stuff you said well they tried to do it then and they didn't do it and they let dallas back in the game so it's always you know very it's always a a very micro viewpoint instead of a macro and it gets worse after a loss obviously uh, and 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 especially when you don't run the ball effectively but there's an example of you know we can go back to our tapes on on the jacob uh uh sports youtube page and uh, i bet you we were saying well they were, you know like they, they were way they stopped throwing the ball a little bit too early in that one letting dallas get back in the game so it's funny how that stuff kind of works. but
3: No, you you uh, you go back and check the tapes. I guarantee I didn't say that because I agreed with what Sirianni did. Uh, the The bigger take would have been if he continued to throw and add three and outs with taking no time off the clock. Then it would have been, what the hell was Sirianni thinking? We've got the lead. How do you not run the ball? No, I'll say what Jason Kelsey said this week and John McMullen just said 30 seconds ago. You need to run the ball effectively. It wasn't the choice to run the ball. It was the choice to run the ball and not block it up well enough. Everybody forgets that last.
4: Everybody forgets that last word. Yes, uh, yes, they effectively not run the ball because they were sort of banging their head against the wall against San Francisco. But yeah, that Dallas game. um, That Dallas got the ball back, maybe with.
3: The Last possession
4: 50 seconds 42 like, uh, 42
3: 42 seconds and no time, and, and
4: they were backed out uh, at backed their up at the 14 yard line, yeah. And 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 the drive prior, I know it was swift, swift, swift uh, fumble, uh, and they got it back. Luckily, that was the that fumble was, game, and I, I believe. Tyler
3: Steen, yeah, Tyler Steen, yeah,
4: exactly. (laughs) So they got like two yard, one yard, and this is like with a minute and a half left. They get two yards, one yard, negative play, and they got to punt the football. And they do everything right. They pin him back, and and but, yeah. I mean, if you go for the jugular, there the game's over. Um, so it's always a give and take. Always a give and take.
3: Yeah, I think you can go for the juggler and believe you can run the ball three times and get 10 yards. They didn't because they didn't run it effectively enough. They didn't block it up well enough. The Cowboys are a good enough defense that if they're 90% sure you're going to run the football, that they can be able to not give up a large enough game for you to get a first down. They know a first down and a game's over. So they're they're certainly playing aggressively to try and stop the run. And the Eagles didn't run it well enough, but they ended up winning a game. And that, to me, is a bigger focus point than the San Francisco game going into this game. You you played this team. You had this team. You almost lost this game, but you didn't. You held on and won the game. That is something that the Eagles can hang their hat on and build on. That's the upside. Here's the downside. Johnny Mack, the, the Dallas Cowboys have played six home games so far this year. You wanna, wanna guess how many points they're averaging in those six home it's games? It's
4: like 40-ish. It's in that range. 41. Yeah, they're averaging
3: 41 points a game. Yeah. Not yeah. they had a 41 point game, they're averaging 41 points a game. They have been phenomenal offensively in their own stadium. Um, and there's no reason to think that their offense is going <clears throat> to drop off drastically. Unless the Eagles come with a big defensive effort. And I think that's possible. Maybe this is wishful thinking on my part. But I the, the only previous loss this season for the Philadelphia Eagles was when they got beat by the Jets in kind of a weird, funky game, which I saw in my own two eyes. I still can't quite figure <laughs> out how the Jets won that game. Uh, Jalen Hurts threw a really bad pick late in that game. Um, but they followed that up the next week. See if you agree with me on this one. Their best defensive effort of the entire year was the following week against the Dolphins. Dolphins came in as uh, the greatest show on grass or t- whatever, They're not the Rams, but the numbers they were putting up offensively, including a 70-burger against the Broncos, were off the chart and potentially record-breaking. The Eagles held them in check. They held them under 250 yards, Johnny Mac. Yeah.
4: That, for me, was their certainly, best defensive effort of for the year. Certainly from a, uh, uh opponent standpoint, a talented I I think overall, Tampa Bay was their best defensive game. They were stifled, but that's not nearly as good an offense as Miami. So I get what you're saying. Uh, they certainly played well. Um, and those days seem long gone for whatever reason. But I do think, you know, again, people don't – you mentioned – not giving enough credit to the 49ers. I thought there was one way they could win that game. And I thought it was a style matchup that favored them. And that's why I picked them. And that was the Eagles defensive front against the, the 49ers offensive line. And they didn't take advantage of it. And once you don't take advantage of it to the point where you, and, and, and by the way, you don't, you know, they, they, at best, played them to a stalemate. Uh, At worst, I mean, played them to a stalemate. But they needed to be significantly better and affect the game. And once they couldn't, then you got the playmakers against the back end of the Eagles. And that's not going to work. And even though you talked about, and rightfully so, the Cowboys and the 40 points a game at home, they're a different type of offense. They're not going to beat you with um you know Tony Pollard's a good player you're not Christian McCaffrey um CD lamb's a great receiver I was talking to Eli Ricks about this yesterday, but he's a different type of receiver than Debo Samuel he's a better receiver than Debo Samuel but he's not taking the ball on a bubble screen and going 50 right um so it, it and and Ferguson they had struggled with but he's not George Kittle um and on and on and on so down, and and they don't have the the deep threats like Brandon Ayuk to to complement CD Lamb even though Brandon Cooks is getting a little bit better so i think it's a more um sustainable game for the Eagles back seven um and, and and i use that word to say that you know it's more traditional like i really think they they struggled with the style of the of the 49ers and they'll be back to a more traditional style, and I think that will help them. Well, I think a key guy for the Eagles is going to be Bradley Roby,
3: who did not play in the first matchup between the Cowboys. He was out, uh, and the overmatched replacements that the Eagles were trying to get in there, Eli Ricks and Sidney Brown playing a corner position, uh, slot position, but playing cornerback rather than safety they just weren't up to the task, and the task is not easy to begin with. Then you factor in at C.D. Lamb, who they're covering most of the time. They're overmatched. So Bradley Roby, and I I, I need more out of Bradley Roby this week more than just, well, he's better than the overmatched guys we had in there previously. But he no, is. <laughs> I, he is. I'm not saying that's not true, but I need more than that. I need him to actually defend the past. Knock down a pass. It looks like it's going to be complete. Get your hand in on a pass and knock it down on third down and make the Cowboys actually punt. i will take a pick while you're at it, Bradley. But uh, well, well, that's kind of uh, an unfair ask. But just he keeps CD Lamb in front of him and lets him beat him with short, shorter passes than the others who gave up longer uh, gains to CD Lamb. If that happens, the Eagles might not win the game, John. They 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 need him. I'm not saying great. I'm not saying Pro Bowl level. I'm not saying he has to have a turnover in this game. But if, if they gave up 191 yards to C.D. Lamb, just the, him giving up 148 and going, hey, that's 43 yards less than got last time. That's not good enough. You can't just hold C.D. Lamb to 143 yards.
4: Um, it, it, I think it kind of depends on you know, I always use the NBA analogy. You know, it's okay to let somebody score 30 or, or you know, as long as you limit the other guys, as long as you make them work hard. Uh, he's a really good player. Um, you know, he, he's not now you don't want him to be at 190, as you said, but you can win a game where is it's at 140 if you eliminate everybody else. Um, and I think that's the key to it. Um, and, and you make them work hard for that uh, 140-ish. Um, would you prefer to be down? You know, you prefer to be down like what they did. You mentioned the Miami game, what they did to Tyreek Hill, who caught a bunch of passes, but I think he ended up with like 90-something yards. That would be nice. Um, but I, I do think you can, you can win as long as, you know, Brandon Cooks isn't getting you, as long as Ferguson, as long as Pollard isn't getting you. Um, so, so it kind of depends on on how things shake out, but they will be better because Roby's better than Ricks and, and Brown in the slot. I mean, how much better? Yeah, we haven't seen enough of it. We said the same thing about Kevin Byard. I thought it was going to calm down. Now, maybe it hasn't calmed down because of the opponents. They played much better teams.
3: The Eagles have had a much tougher schedule. It gets tough for the Cowboys because they get the Bills and the Dolphins next week. And the Eagles have already beaten the Bills and the Dolphins.
4: Yeah. So, and now they got Shaq Leonard to uh, enter into the mix as well. So I don't think all the turnover has helped either. Uh, But maybe it will help by week 17 and week 18. You know, that's the goal for this team. Um, the larger goal, obviously they, they want to go places and to get to where they want to go. They want to win the division, get the number one seed. And, and uh, so how do you get there? I think you got to win one of these two games and it doesn't have to be this one, uh, but you got to win one of, of these two road games at Dallas at Seattle. And then you got to handle your business um, against um, um, you know, the Two really bad teams, but three games, um, and they should be able to do that. And I do think people are looking at San Francisco. And San Francisco is the best team in the NFL right now. There's no question about it. It's hard to to you know win every single game in this league. And I, I'm I'm I got this game circled with Seattle. Seattle's playing well. It's in San Francisco. Did Did you watch Seattle and Dallas last week? Yeah, Seattle scored a hell of a lot of points against Dallas. I did, did. not expect that. I did not expect they also that. also gave at up all. a hell of a lot of points. Well, that's true as well. But they're a good team. They're not a great team. I'm saying they got to bring their A game. Everything's got to work out, everything's got to be perfect. Uh, but if they bring their A game, I do think it's a little bit of a letdown because the 49ers were fired up to come in here. I think even though it's a division game, I'm just saying, circle that game. I think it's going to be closer than people think.
3: The game I would circle would be the Ravens game. They got Baltimore coming. Well, and that's
4: That's what I'm saying. Their schedule is not.
3: That's where San Francisco could. uh,
4: I think a lot of people say, well, they're just going to win every game. It's hard to do that. I mean, it's just hard to do that. As good as they're playing, they're going to have a bad game in there. They might bring their C game, and they might be good enough to still win it. And that might be this week. But we'll see. Yeah. I wouldn't just say a beat a complete, they're not going to lose again. Because I, yeah. guess what? If they're not going to lose again, you're not going to beat them. So, uh,
3: or the Eagles can run the table and then they do beat them, um, at least for home field advantage. When they play again on the field, yeah, we got to figure that one out. I well, did we'll look at my quickly. predictions,
4: but I don't think the Eagles are going to run the table as a foreshadowing. Okay. Um,
3: <laughs> CD lamb, average yards per game for the season, and that includes the 191 that the Eagles let him get, which kind of lifted the uh, the high tide raises all boats, 98 yards a game. 140 not good enough Bradley Roby. If you're here specifically to upgrade the Eagles at the slot cornerback position, you can't give up a buck 40 to, to CD Lamb. If they do, they're going to lose again. Well, I would
4: say one I I got to look at those numbers. What what are they score 40 points a game? What are they home versus road? You got to look at teams and 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 by the way, I probably his road is
3: better than his home because he's got a 191 spot on the road in Philadelphia.
4: It's possible, but there's other games on the road. You also got to look at but guess what? That was unfortunately for the Eagles. That was probably probably because of circumstance, the easiest game of the year for C D land, because Eli Ricks and Cindy Brown were playing the slot.
3: All right. So you you you're, you're saying Roby's up to the task. I hope he is. You're you're making I'm it not saying like he's up to the task. I'm
4: saying I'm saying he's a hell of a lot better than what they rolled out last time, is what I'm saying.
3: All right. And I think he's got to be even more so. Uh, just just better than Eli Ricks is not going to get it done, Mr. Roby. All right, quickie timeout. Then we get our Friday guy, Paul Domwich. Mr. Stat from jacobsports.com. Contributed 3013. Tomo next here on Birds 365.
6: Go
7: to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits.
3: If you don't check him out on jacobsports.com for his Friday column about what the numbers say going into the individual legal game, you're missing out. We kind of let him go verbal with us here on barge 365. Paul Dumwich, not coming from home. This is not the We've hotel,
4: Pete Tomo. That's nice. He got a nice room there, by the way. Um oh, I'm impressed. Yeah, my, my, my daughter is getting married this week. Yes. Very nice. Congratulations.
3: Very nice. Thank you. Where are
10: you, by the way? In Philly. Okay.
3: All right. Don't don't trip going down the aisle. That's uh, this it, is the biggest walk you're ever going to take, Domo. So, and uh, try to keep your feet about you.
10: I will try not to. I, I didn't with my first my
4: other daughter when she got married three years ago. So I'll try to. Oh,
3: you you've got it out of the house. Very good, uh, Daddy.
4: And when you're when you're uh, giving the beautiful bride away, try not to extend things. Uh, that's one thing I'm going to. <laughs> to say about uh, ex- uh try not extending things you got to be on time Damo, when you're that's doing right. these things that's foreshadowing for one of All my right. questions down the road
3: <laughs> Be on time the eagles showed up on time against the 49ers they were there for the kickoff but didn't go well thereafter uh john and i were just talking about how you needed to put it behind you and if you're an eagle fan and certainly the eagle players have to do that same exact thing I think they did when they coughed up their other loss this year against the Jets and came back with as good an effort against the Dolphins. I think their best defensive effort of the season. If I lean on that, is that a fair way to be optimistic about this? Am I looking at it through eagle-colored glasses? Or is that actually something you can uh, put some uh, juice behind and go, yeah, they they bounce back from it. We got one example. They bounce back from a loss. They're going to do the same thing against the 49ers here. I got well, a leg to Santa.
10: I don't think they'll have trouble getting over, getting, putting that one behind them. Uh, I mean, a, a loss like that, you just, uh, it, you just purge it from your memory uh, a lot easier than a, you know, a one or two point loss where, uh, you know, we're hinged on one or two plays and you thought you could have won. Those are the kind of games that hang with you. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think that's going to be their problem <laughs> on Sunday. They got some other problems, but. Yeah. Uh, getting over the San Francisco game won't be one of them all
4: right we're we're going to get into some of those problems the running game we're going to get into third down stuff but I but I you know what I was alluding to with my bad joke there was Jalen Hurts and his uh, getting the football out on time versus um extending the play I asked Nick about this it's really difficult I mean how do you you know he makes so many plays when he extends the play uh, and he helps you so much in that category versus, boy, this could have came out and been a 10-yard completion or or whatever. So I was checking out PFF, Damo. And, and the numbers are, in, in 2021, Jalen was, his first year as a starter, the slowest uh, in the NFL, 3.19 seconds to get the football out. And we talk about that improvement from 21 to 2022. He's never going to be at the top of the league. Guys who are mobile are always going to hold on to the ball longer, but he was the 14th slowest. So he was middle of the pack and that improvement was huge. Now this year he's, regu- uh, he's the second slowest, but he's actually regressed. He's getting it out in 3.23 seconds, less than he was as a first year starter. Do you think that's a problem? Well, yeah, but for different reasons. 2021,
10: I think the problem was more Jalen getting used to the NFL uh, and and getting a feel for what he's seeing uh, before he was letting the ball go. Uh, I think now this year it's a totally different problem. I think it's an over-reliance on the deep ball. Uh, yeah, he's got a great line in front of him that's given him tons of time. And it
4: could have had but six started, seconds last week.
10: You yeah, yeah. saw that Sunday. I mean, he, he he could have pitched a tent back there. Um, you know, and he's got two of the best deep ball receivers in the league. I mean, so you you know that's why he's throwing so much to these guys. He's got a good completion percentage on the deep ball this year. But when it ain't there, if it ain't there right away, I mean, you know, I'm 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 watching the, the tape. You know, he's got gain. Well, he's got swift, he's got people that, that he can dump the ball off to, but he won't. He just keeps he yeah, kept he doesn't like to, yeah. so, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, he he knows what he's looking at. He misses some player as players sometimes. I mean, I, I, and 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 John, I think you mentioned a long time ago that you know, he's not a guy that likes to throw to his running backs. Yeah. Uh, he's thrown more to them this year than ever before because Brian, it's you know. Brian Johnson has made it part of the, the game plan, part of the offense, but he just doesn't like to do it in, in last resort situations. I mean, I don't know why. Uh, it just doesn't seem like, it's almost like he thinks, yeah, this is too, this is too easy. <laughs> 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 I mean, I want, I want Swift to gain well in space. So anyway, there that's is, the
3: way. when the play breaks down and you're out of the pocket and you're creating on your own, you get three options. Number one is keep looking downfield for a guy who's not open Checking down to a running back who might not make a big play, but at least you're going to advance the ball yeah. or take off or take off and run. Yeah. I think the least optimum of those choices is continue to look down the field for a guy who wasn't open when you first looked at him. And that right. seems to be the one that Jalen tries to force more than anything else. He's damn it. I'm going to get it to AJ or to Devante. And that can cause issues like slipping down 15 yards behind the line. Of yeah. All right, let some- me ask you, let me ask about those running backs, Tomo because we debated this early in the week. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe in any given game for any reason that Kenny Gainwell is going to get more snaps than DeAndre Swift with what they've accomplished up until this point in the season. That's exactly what happened Sunday against the 49ers. Are the Eagles making a mistake when they allow something like that to happen in your opinion?
10: Well, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, you, you don't like Gainwell. I, I like Gainwell. uh, I think part of the problem here is they overused them too much early on. Look at his carry numbers. I think now they're trying to kind of even things out a little bit, uh, which is one reason they're not, uh, g- given Swift a heavy load. Another is they're just not running the ball enough, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they should be giving it to Swift more, uh, they should be given into the running backs period more. I mean, they, they the last two games, I believe the running backs in both in the first half of the last two games, in each game had seven uh, carries. That's, I mean, I don't quite understand that. I'm sure Nick can come up with a, a logic for why they've done it. <laughs> ah, but, up with
3: it. We don't have to believe it. So I just,
10: I mean, I, they need to make a bigger commitment to the run period, whether it's to gain, Gainwell or Swift. I mean, you use them both. So,
4: all right, I think the mentality of Philadelphia, let's let's be honest, Dom. I mean, you've been around this team longer than just about anybody. It, 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 they've never come off. Run the ball. Run the ball. It's almost like that guy uh, uh, who showed up at Novacare with the sign was waiting for the loss and saying, oh, they didn't run the ball. Isn't it just an outlier and say um, and the fact that they got blown out. So, you know, in the fourth quarter, I think they had 23 plays and they passed it 20 times. Well, when you're down three scores, you gotta you gotta throw the ball. And and the fact that if you put run the ball effectively, if you put that word on the back, I agree with you, but they're still, I think, fifth in the league. Um, as far as rushing attempts. Um Contextually, they run the ball more than most teams. Um, Contextually, they usually run it more effectively. Mm -hmm. If you see the three games prior, they actually were more run-heavy than pass-heavy because of the personality of the games, and they were trying to close things out for the most part. Not Kansas City. but um, So are people just overreacting to one bad game?
10: Well, I mean, I don't have a problem as much with the rushing attempts, John, as I do with the fact that and it's, they're, they're just not very good at it uh, over the last, uh, what are my numbers? Uh, I guess the last seven games. I mean, first five games of the season, they, they had the best rushing attack in the league. I mean, you couldn't stop them last seven, except for the Buffalo game. I mean, they just haven't been very good at it. Uh, and uh, it's hard to figure out why uh, the, the you look at the numbers you break them down you see where they're not uh, nearly as good mostly on second down uh which is not a good down to, to struggle at cuz it puts you in in a lot of third and longs um so you know but i mean you you look at pff's grades their run blocking grades his yeah, line is good line is very good is, is, you know the starting forward are as good as last year you know uh, Fans like to put it all on uh, the loss of Juergens for five games. You know, he was their fifth best run blocker. So, uh, you know, granted, Sua Opeta was awful. But still, you had four guys you could rely on there. You should have been able to run. Can
4: I throw out a theory? And Jody's heard this. But sure. I'll, I'll throw it out to you. But both of you answer. The running backs aren't that good. I, I You know, you mentioned the PFF grades. I was shocked. I was shocked, to be honest. Kenny's down low, but I was shocked how low DeAndre Swift was. They have, um, let's see, they have 50-something graded. He's 47th. And I said to myself, well, he's got a really bad pass protection grade. So let's take that out of the equation. Maybe that's uh, uh, sinking him down to the bottom of the rankings. So I looked at just running grade. He's 45th. He's 45th. Are, are, are we just overrating the Eagles running? Because they have the best run blocking group, as you mentioned, in the NFL. If yeah. you look at Damo, and I'm sure you saw it, that 36 yard run uh Swift had against Buffalo, right? That was the Buffalo game. Right. That was the most perfectly blocked play I may have ever seen in my life. It was a pin and pull yeah. from uh, Kelsey and Dickerson, which was perfect. You had the seal from Jordan Milana But what was really impressive, the backside. Cam Jurgens got to the second level. Um, Jack Driscoll, who was in for lane at that time, got a perfect seal block. Jack stole farther out. Perfect. And it went for 36 yards. And, you know, when that happens, but how often are you going to be that perfect? And I think that's, I think the running backs aren't that good. I mean, they're, they're
10: not Christian McCaffrey, but, uh, well, nobody is, but yeah, yeah. I mean, they're good. You know, I mean, their strengths, probably both of them, uh, Gainwell and, uh, uh, Swift are as receiver or, you know, pass catching backs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean, you know, when I watch Swift, I don't see a guy that I feel is not that good. I don't, you know, again, I don't know that he's the most prolific back in the league. Uh, but when there's a hole, he he generally takes advantage of it. He seems to have pretty good vision, uh, knows how to bounce out to the outside when, when, when something's not there. So again, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure that it's that they're not that good. I mean, they should be doing no matter how low you rank them. And, and I, I would not rank them as low as PFF does. Uh, they should be getting, they should be averaging more yards per carry than they are.
3: Uh, I think Swift is fine. I think he's above average. I think 4.7 is <laughs> top 10 in the league. Yeah. Does he have good blocking in front? Yes. Jack Stoll, one play you described. Great. I think that's one of the reasons why the running has been down the last couple of weeks. I think they missed Dallas Goddard. I think we overrate Jack Stoll as a run blocker because we know he can't catch. So why is he playing? Oh, he must be a great blocker. He's a good blocker. Dallas Goddard's a much better blocker and Eagles should run the football better with uh, Dallas back this week.
10: Well, I mean, they've, they've used a lot more uh, four wide receiver and, and no tight end or, Well, now they've used Stoll. It's usually been been, uh, one tight end and and no running backs a lot of times. Uh, So so you're right. I mean, Goddard's been a a part of the, uh, you know, having him missing has been a part of the problem. Yet, you know, there have been games when he's been gone where they've run the ball well. It's just that it's kind of like, you know, you, you look at it and it's the first five games, last seven. And, you know, something's happened in these last seven.
4: And I still think, by the way, as we talk about this, I still think the number one reason is is yeah. Jalen. I th- I still think when Jalen is right and and that plus one uh, uh, effect he brings to the running game, I think that's what makes the whole thing go. And that's yeah. been there at times since he they came back from the bye. At other times, it hasn't been there. I still think that's the most important part of it, but. Uh, We'll move on to third downs because that's even worse. Uh, As you stated, nightmare on third down street. I mean, (laughs) this is historically bad. They're dead last in the league. It's kind of amazing that they have the best record in the league. And they're the worst team in the NFL on the most important down in football. Maybe it's a little less important because so many people go for it on fourth down. But still... To be last at third down efficacy on defense and be ten and two, I can't explain that. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's something that's got to give. And I maybe it's just the opponents because San Francisco is really good, Buffalo's really good offensively. Kansas City's got Patrick Mahomes, um, and it's gotten worse over that span, obviously, and it should. But it shouldn't be this bad, should it, Dama?
10: You wouldn't think so. Uh, you would think, you know, I mean, I think the belief was that that they could get enough, just like last year, they could get enough pressure up front that it would make everything else better, at least on, you know, if they could put teams in third and long, uh, they'd be okay because nobody can convert third and nines and third and tens. Well, guess what? <laughs> A lot of teams can convert third and nines and third and tens against the Eagles. And they are this year. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's been a big problem. The pressure, the, the, pr- the pressure numbers are, again, they're good.
4: They look, but,
10: yeah. yeah, they look fine, but they're not getting there. Uh, mm-hmm. And teams are, I think one thing, you know, and I don't, I haven't seen any uh, analytics to uh, show this, but I mean, teams, quarterbacks seem to be extending plays more on them this year, getting out of the pocket. I mean, Dak did that, uh, uh, you know, Josh Allen did that. You know, if you can get outside and buy some more time, it doesn't matter how much pressure they're getting on you. So, you know, I think that's contributed to it. They're just, you know, the front-end pressure. But, I mean, that middle of the field should not be that wide open. Last week, the tackling was as bad as it's been all year, which is uh, – but, but I mean, it hasn't been that bad yeah, previously. Created
4: a big uh, a feud with Slay and our own set joiner. Big feud. Uh, yeah, Slay was. With- <laughs> Slay cornered me about Seth yesterday. It was hilarious. But uh, anyway. Yeah, I know know what? Domo, was, Domo yeah. were you
3: suggesting that pressures might not just be enough? That sacks are actually a lot more important than pressures? Uh, my, Jody, Jody, my, my Jody's buddy, like a dog with a bone. Man. My buddy Casey Stern, uh baseball talk guy, has got a great phrase yeah. called, profits are nice, parades are better. Yeah, the Yeah, Pressures are nice sacks are better if the eagles are getting the prerequisite pressure and they're the worst third down defense in the national football league doesn't that tell you something about pressures
10: well the problem with pressure is there's two things you can do you can get rid of the ball quickly which a lot of the quarterbacks they've faced have done uh and secondly you can if you're mobile enough you can get away from it if the if the if the pass rush isn't hasn't been disciplined enough and and that's one of the things we're seeing this year there's you know there there are some cracks in that in in that pressure is, is, that are letting quarterbacks get outside. You know, we saw last week on a big one where Brandon Graham got caught inside. Uh so yeah, uh you're right. I mean, you got got to get the guy down. You're not seeing, you know, that you, their their takeaways are affected
4: because there's no strip sacks. Um so the, you know, it's just well that, I, I, I I would say because I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I I think pressures more predictive than sacks because again if you're playing Carson Wentz all right and you get 70 sacks all right you you might get nine ten yeah And if you're playing Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl even on a crappy field or if you're playing Peyton Manning back in the day Tom Brady I don't care who you are you ain't getting a lot of sacks because yeah. they're going to get the ball out on time so you better figure out something else uh, because it's it's wholly dependent on the quarterback holding on to the football to allow you to get a sack. Now, pressure, as you saw with the Giants, as they beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl, they beat them the same way both times. Pressure right up the middle. Right up the middle. Made Tom uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are certain quarterbacks who are just not going to allow you to put up big sack numbers. Yeah. But I, I'll and I'll turn that into uh, Sean Desai, who the honeymoon is over for poor Sean. <laughs> now he's now he's not making adjustments, but he has made adjustments, and one of the adjustments you pointed out, he's been blitzing. Philadelphia. He's been blitzing all over the place, way up in blitz percentage. And oh, by the way, it is failing miserably, Paul Domowitz. Is yes. it time to scale this thing back? I I've argued you now have Shaq Leonard. You got fired, you have Roby, you have all these veteran savvy players. Hopefully they'll they'll get more up to speed. I play cover two all day. Yeah. All day. And, and say, all right, man, I'm just going to play. I'm dropping everybody I got in the coverage to try to stem it. And, I mean, Brock Purdy, what was he, 10 of 11, three touchdowns? Yeah. Want to keep coming? Right. <laughs> yeah.
10: Yeah. Of, of course, you got to tackle better if you're playing cover, two, Yeah, you damn well better tackle better than you, you did against San Francisco. That's a
4: fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think simplified and who said it this week, uh, kiss principle, Jody, Barrett. keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Barrett Brooks. I mean, they're at the point where they have so many new faces, so many communication issues. Yeah. I think it's time to scale back from this Spangio match zone that everybody's blowing left and right. And it's not fair to Eli Ricks and Sidney Brown and all the younger players as well. Um, that's, I think, the biggest problem with Sean DeSai. But uh, he's tried, he's adjusting, he's trying everything. Yeah. He's pulling out the kitchen sink. What would you do if you're Sean?
10: I agree. I would. Say, you know, I mean, that I remember Todd Bowles uh, when he took over a, a shipwreck of a defense here. He just simplified everything. Uh, just made it as easy as possible for these guys, and they played better. They weren't. They didn't play great, but. Uh, At least when people don't have to think as much, they generally react quicker uh, and and get to the ball. So, and then you just hope that they can tackle.
3: Damo, I'm going to ask you to do a little crystal ball look for us for this upcoming game. Mm. What are the Eagles going to do on offense to make sure Michael Parsons doesn't blow up the game? Is it a mindset? Is it a specific type of play? Is it a responsibility of one guy? Because, they move them all over the play real easy to just say, well, it's all on Jordan Mailata. He comes most of the time from the right defensive end, but they they put him inside. They'll flip their two defensive ends. So it's not just one-on-one, mano-a-mano. So how do the Eagles keep uh, from Michael Parsons blowing up the game?
10: I mean, I think they have to have some success with the run game. Uh, you know, if they do, I mean, if you keep him guessing, you know, I mean, in the past, they've run at him, uh, attacked him. Uh, you know, we've talked about this. Uh, it's, yeah, if you can't block
4: them, read them. That's which, what Nick
10: says. Best, you know, it, best way to deal with the speed is to go right at them. So, yeah, I mean, I think the run has to kind of lead here. Uh, if they can get them at least
4: thinking, run, uh, it makes Jalen and the receivers' job a lot easier back there. Yeah, you got to put them in conflict. The RPO game has got to return. We'll see if. Uh... If Jalen Hurts is healthy enough to put it together in a, in a in a real big bash, they average forty points a game at home. They've won fourteen straight at home. Talking about the Dallas Cowboys, obviously they have uh, won five straight, I believe, over the Eagles. Um, is this just one of those weeks, Damo where it's you know I, at, at the beginning of the season I said, well, they're going to split with the Cowboys. They beat them here they're probably going to lose Zoom there. Is it that simple.
10: It is. I mean and yet, you know, I look at this Dallas team and and I'm just not real impressed. I mean, the numbers are are, are breathtaking. I mean, all the 40-point yeah. games, but they 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 have yet to beat a team that's got currently has a winning record. They, they you know, all their offensive excursions have been against teams with, with four wins or less. Uh, I mean, there's every reason to believe this is kind of a, a, a you know, a, a all nine and three record with them. Uh, But the bottom line is, you know, these teams seldom sweep and the Eagles beat them at home and they're probably going to lose tomorrow, uh, Sunday uh, down there. So, uh, you know, I think it'll be close, but I I think the Cowboys are going to win. Do you, You you're leaning toward the Cowboys. Okay. If they do lose, where does
3: that leave them? We know what the numbers say. They'll be in a tie with the Cowboys. I did this several weeks ago, and the only way you can do it is if both teams win every other game, which they probably won't, but you never know. So you got to have some kind of prediction as to where it goes from there. The Eagles would still have the advantage in the tiebreaker because the Cardinals, of all people, beat the Cowboys. J.G.,
4: still helping.
3: J.G., way back in week number two. But they would certainly lose the number one seed to San Francisco, even with them and having lost the tiebreaker. What's the mental state of this football team coming back on that plane from Dallas if they lose the game?
10: Well, I mean, I don't think Dallas is going to be their problem going forward if they lose. Dallas' schedule, uh, what, Buffalo, Miami, yeah. Detroit? Yeah.
4: They're,
10: they're going to win. The, I mean, the Eagles are going to Regardless of no. what happens Sunday, the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. Ooh. Their problem is they're probably not going to be the number one seed. Uh, they lose on Sunday, even if they run the table. You know, and you guys talked about this, and John's right. Anybody can beat anybody, but you look at San Francisco. I mean, Baltimore's the only team they got a shot
4: at losing to right now.
8: And uh, right let, now, down,
4: let down week. Let down. Uh, that was a big game for the 49ers. They wanted to yeah. prove something here. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be fired up this week. Lay the nine and a half with San Francisco all this right.
10: week. All, all, they're all right. They're you might put be right. You might be team right. That's uh, so, yes, mike because, you know, if, I, if I'm them, that's – my concern that they're not going to end up with the number one seed, which means they're probably going to have to pay, play the Cowboys again in the in the uh, Cowboys in the playoffs before the NFC Championship. <clears throat> San Francisco waiting for them. So, uh,
4: well, if you get to the playoffs, you got to beat good teams. So, uh, yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's just baked into it. So they're probably going to have to beat the 49ers, whether it's here or there. Um, yeah. Those are pretty clearly – The two best teams and one of our best guests here at P. Damo. Make sure you follow him on X, formerly Twitter. He's got bigger things to do this weekend. Congratulations, again to you you. and your daughter. Um, And yeah, thanks, Damo. Thanks for taking some time out. You're you you got some bigger issues to deal with. (laughs) Absolutely, always have time for you guys. Thanks,
3: Damo. Thanks. That's Paul Damo. Which read his entire. Uh, post on jacobsports.com. The Domo uh, stat, stat pack, pack on Friday is always uh much read before you get into the uh, Eagles and the matchup on Sunday. I just double-checked it. I'm not the only one who thinks this. Uh, 49ers were a 9.5-point favorite of Seattle. Uh, most of the outlets have it at 10.5 now, and one's actually got it at 11. So,
4: Well, yeah, but that, that's that's – I mean, they're coming off – I beat down of the supposed, if they're not the best team, the supposed best team in the NFL. So it's no surprise everybody's hyped up on San Francisco and they might beat them by four touchdowns. I picked the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl last year. I think they're the most gifted team in the NFL from top to bottom, but I do think letdowns are real in this league and I think they're. There's a potential that, you know, after that big performance that they come down to earth a little bit.
3: Yeah, not this week against Seattle. Uh, I think they were dealt a good game here. If they were playing Arizona and they were a 13-point favorite rather than a 10.5-point favorite like a bad team, then I think there'd be a chance for a letdown. The fact that Seattle is the second-best team in their division – um, and there's a decent rivalry between the two teams. I don't think, I don't think the letdown kicks. Well, in I would
4: think they would just out talent a bad team eventually. Even if they play poorly, they're going to out talent a bad team. Seattle, if they play poorly, and Seattle plays well, there's a there's a window. I'm then how
3: saying. did the Arizona Cardinals beat the Dallas Cowboys back in Week Two? They shouldn't they have. more out. You know why? They should have just out talented the Arizona Cardinals. And they didn't.
4: By the way, I gave JG credit. You know who else you should give credit? Who had a hell of a game that particular day? Kaiser White also helping the Eagles was tremendous in that Cowboys game. Um, So some former Eagles. That's a bad loss, but that's a perfect example. I mean, this is the NFL. It's not college. I talk about it all the time. In college, you got you know the big college teams your Georges, your Alabamas, your Ohio States, your Michigans, blah, blah, blah. They got three games all year. They got to win, basically, give or take, maybe a little bit more in the SEC. By three games, I mean three games they could potentially lose. Everything else is a glorified scrimmage. You know they're going to win the game. It's just a matter of how many style points are they going to get. That's not the case in the NFL. It's not.
3: I watched every snap of that uh, Seattle-Dallas Thursday-nighter last week. And my takeaway more so than, oh, the Seattle Seahawks almost beat them. Yeah, they did. Because the Dallas deep Geno Smith, you talk about throwing ducks. He's got a bum arm. He's got to come to the sideline and get it treated and wrapped, every single thing. He's got no zip on his football whatsoever, and he's still completing passes. I know DeRon Bland. Baby,
4: make make no mistake about it. By the way, DK Metcalf's performance was noted by a certain two receivers at the Novacare Mm -hmm. Complex, and uh, they think there is an opportunity to use some double moves against uh, Mister Pick Six, who's always looking to make the big play. Um, I wouldn't throw an out against DeRon Bland, but I. I would try to double move him to death with – and A.J.'s very, very close to D.K. Metcalf. Very, very close. Mm. Mm.
3: Wasn't he real close to Debo, too? Who the hell isn't he close to for other teams? That's true.
4: Well, good receivers stick together, man. Uh, They all love each other.
3: But poke him in the eye this week, uh, A.J., if you get the chance.
4: All right, uh, Johnny Mac, I know you got to run. you got a uh,
3: Sirianni session that you've got to get to. So we need to get you on the <laughs> record. Eagles, Dallas in Dallas. You just said with Damo a couple of minutes ago, they usually split. They almost always split They split, 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 split. Yeah. You're taking a split. You yeah, think the man, Cowboys not, are going to win? That, I'm please? sorry.
4: Eagles fans. I took a split at the beginning of the season. I don't see any reason to not take it now. It's always a bad spot. They were in a bad spot last year. They went to Dallas. It was like Christmas Eve. I think last year, or, yeah, and it was a really bad spot. Third of third road games, I believe not quite as bad, but still a little bit of a bad spot after this sort of ringer they've been through. Um, yeah, the Cowboys are, are, they, they've won 14 in a row at home. They, they have beaten the Eagles five times in a row at AT&T stadium. They're going to win the game. Um, Thirty-three twenty-eight. There's going to be oh, some, so
3: you got really high score. Yeah, there's going to nice. be
4: some points scored. Oh yeah, uh, on both sides. But I, I got I mean, high
3: scoring, but not quite as high scoring as you. That's that's plenty. Uh, yeah. 50, 50 something is the uh, under over, and you're you're up into the sixties. All right, thirty-three twenty-eight, Dallas. Johnny Mack, thanks for the pick. Thanks for the hour. No, you got a roll. I'll uh, see you right back here on Monday on Birds Three Sixty Five.
4: All right, thank you, Jody, and thank you, Bill. I see you in the green room.
3: Bill colorulo is going to fill in for John in hour number two. Come back, join with Billy C. And, yes, we've got a Cowboy guest. We do this every single time. If We've got a uh, guy that we know who's a good guest in the town of the team the Eagles are playing. We punch him up. We've got uh, John Machoda, our pal from The Athletic, who covers the Cowboys. He can join us in about 20 minutes. Bill colorulo in for Johnny Mac next here on Birds 365.
2: Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malhamutton Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick 'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, and then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN.
3: Yes, we are E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, every day here on Birds 365. That's why we call it Birds 365. You could have figured that out by the name of the show, but I guess I just confirmed it for you. Uh, yeah, we're talking all Eagles today because case you're just tuning in, we got a big game coming up on Sunday against this team called the Dallas Cowboys, which we know quite well in this town. Here to chop it up with me for the next hour in for Johnny Mack is Bill Calarulo. Uh, John Mishoda from the Athletic is going to join us in less than 20 minutes from now. All right. Um, after the 49er game had ended, after the Eagles had taken the beatdown they had taken, after all the post-game stuff here on Jacob and Darius Slay not liking the fact that Seth Joyner pointed out that the Eagles didn't tackle real well against the Forty, What was Seth saying that wasn't accurate? Um, 24 hours later... After you get the beat down out of your system, give us the reason that Bill Calarulo is optimistic about the Eagles' chances this week going into Dallas. Because you're usually a pretty optimistic guy, Billy C.
5: I am usually optimistic, and it's good to be here, Jody. I love spending some Friday with you on a football Friday. But, look, it's it's hard to be optimistic because it wasn't just one game. And that's kind of what I was saying on my show is this isn't just an overreaction to one game. You look at that defense, and it's been a problem for the last five or six games. So it's tough to be overly optimistic, especially tough spot, road game, Dallas. But if I'm looking for a silver lining here, it's we've seen Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni usually able to bounce back from adversity. You and I talked about that before when I was on Bird 365 a few weeks ago. But they've never had a bounce back from this much adversity, in my opinion. We've never seen them get beat the way they just got beat on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. So where I find my optimism is we're going to learn a lot about this team. We thought this team had Super Bowl aspirations. I still think they do. You're going to find out a lot about them on Sunday night because how do they respond to that ass whooping they just took from the 49ers. And there's no denying, they got beat on both sides of the ball, both lines of scrimmage. Every single level, they were beaten by that Niners team. And I know it was a tough spot. We can make all the excuses. Niners had more rest. Doesn't matter. So I think now, at least we will know where we stand with this football team because there's been a lot of debate. They haven't blown anybody out. They're not playing well, but they keep winning. Well, I think we'll learn a lot about who do we have as a football team in Philadelphia when the clock strikes zero Sunday night.
3: You mentioned the last five or six weeks. I'd certainly draw the line at five. Because six weeks ago, they played what I thought was their best defensive game of the year. Miami came in as the number one offense in all of football. They held them to 17 points and under 250 yards. So defensive effort that day was certainly fine. So if you there was the a line... buy in there. There was a buy in there. That's why I say six okay, weeks. Okay, five games. Yeah, I got you. Five games, six weeks. Um, well, if before that they were okay, then of course the one kind of inexplicable loss to the Jets, but they were five and zero losses Jets, beat Miami. Best defensive effort thereafter, major defensive problems, as you just pointed out. Who are we pointing the finger at? Who, who is there an individual? Is there a group that you go, yeah, this guy's just either gone backwards or was playing over his head or overrated? If the defensive drop off has been that precipitous. Who's that on?
5: I know that as fans and analysts, we always love to point the finger at the coaches. They got to do this. They got to blitz more. They got to change things up. They got to have adjustments at halftime. I put a majority of this on the personnel in that back seven. I think if you look at that 49ers game, Sean Desai tried everything. They came out in five-man fronts, four-man fronts. They tried nickel. They tried dime. They tried to blitz. When they blitzed, it doesn't work. Purdy's stats against the blitz were unbelievable in that football game so i look at the back seven we know how good the defensive line is for this eagles team i wish the edge rushers were a little bit deeper you and i've talked about that before these guys sweat and reddick are playing a lot of snaps but they still have a very good defensive line obviously linebacker was a problem but what i really have been concerned with is our secondary and i'm not ready to right off Darius Slay and James Bradbury and Kevin Byard and Reed Blankenship, but they have to play better. There is no denying these guys have to play better and have to play to the caliber that we expected them to. This is the reason why Howie Roseman, whether you agree with it or not, doesn't value the linebacker position because his mindset is we're going to have really good corners, we're going to have a great defensive line, and then we can kind of fill in the linebacker and safety position with other players but when your corners aren't playing to pro bowl levels like we need them to play like they're being paid to play exactly and then it has a ripple effect throughout that defense but that's why I said we're going to learn a lot about this team because you mentioned Seth Joyner calling out Darius Slay and Slay retweeting it and that's what I love about Seth I had him on my show man he don't back down and he said it look the eye in the sky doesn't lie Slay so I think you're going to learn a lot about these guys. And I do expect them to bounce back, Jody. I really do. When you get dominated like that, when you're getting called out
3: like that, I expect these guys to respond on Sunday night. Uh, you're right about the two corners. Um, and I'm not saying I'm the same as you. I'm, oh, my God, they got to get new corners. No, uh, Bradbury and Slay their corners. This They're going to ride or die with them, certainly. This year we'll see about – where everything is at at the end of the season, but they're expected to play to a specific level because of their previous performance and their paycheck. And I know people hate when you say that doesn't matter once he signed, he makes whatever he makes. No, in a capped world that keeps you from doing potentially other things because you decide to put that much money into two very good corners, pro bowl corners or pro corners then you expect them to play to that level and they haven't. And we we I think sometimes are reticent to point that out because we don't want to think about it. When you when your all pro guys aren't getting it done, you know you're in trouble. And that has been the case.
5: Um Yeah, and remember, Jody, it's not like Bradbury and Slay are playing on the final years of a contract they've had for a while. Both these guys got new deals before this season. So the Eagles did expect them to keep playing at that mm-hmm. high level, or they would not have given them
3: the money they gave them. Correct. Um this week they have to deal with C D lamb. And C D plays between 55 and 60 percent of his snaps in the slot, which means Bradley Roby's gonna have to have. I said to John earlier, just cutting C D from 191 to 148 isn't enough for me. If he gets 148 yards, I think the Eagles are still gonna lose. So Bradley Roby has to be better than that. They last time they played at the very end of the game, last possession, even after two massive penalties in the last possession, the last 40 yards where they started at their own 14, Uh Darius Slay said after the game, I told the defense, what, I got him. I'm taking him. We're, we're switching up the defense. We're going to go mano a mano. Did they do more of that? Even though you and I both just said, Bradbury and Slay actually need to be better than they've been. Do you think they'll go Slay one-on-one if they feel that C.D. Lamb is abusing them out of the slot. It's interesting because I went back and looked at the numbers because I wanted to see what did C.D. Lamb
5: do against certain players because we know he had 11 catches for 191, but where did he pick up all those yards? And it was kind of spread out. Against Darius Slay, he had four catches for 62 yards. Oof. Never went up against James Bradbury. Did not go up against J.B. in that game. He had one catch for nine yards against Zach Cuttingham. Zero catches against Reed Blankenship. Was targeted twice, but no catches against Reed. Two for 35 against Sidney Brown. Three for 65 against Eli Ricks. One for 20 against Kevin Byard. So, I mean, it was really spread out throughout. So, I don't know what the Eagles do. Do they have Darius Slay follow him around? Do they try JB again in the slot? I didn't love that when they did that earlier in the season. But I'm not sure what Sean Desai dials up. But what I'm thinking, if I'm Sean Desai, is, look, let's make someone else beat you. I know they have other guys on that team. Ferguson at the tight end position was a problem last game as well. But let's try to make someone else beat us. No one is on the same level as what CeeDee Lamb has been this season. Make them go to Brandon Cooks. Make them go to Michael Gallup. Make them throw it to Tony Pollard. But let's take away CeeDee Lamb. Does that mean that you bracket coverage a little bit, have someone over the top at all times? I'd like to see it just to take him out of the game and force someone else to try to be it. Easier said than done, I know. But they don't have a Devontae Smith on the other side like the Eagles do when teams try to take away A.J. Brown. There's all a right. major
3: drop-off after C D. One thing I can guarantee you, uh, uh, they, these were the Bill Cowell Calo- Calarulo uh, calculation. When you have the CD getting against Slay last time, he was targeted seven times. He had four catches for 62 yards. Four for 62. I guarantee you Slay says your calculations are off because. Well, these aren't <laughs> he mine. These are he never football. gives up anything. According to Slay, no one ever catches a pass against him. It's the zone and it wasn't his responsibility. Don't know how you figured it was me on him. Pro you football, can drink focus all over numbers. a guy and go, No, that wasn't necessarily my responsibility. Uh, so uh, they do play more zone than anything else. So it's usually an in between. And who really had the coverage on that play? I guarantee you, Slay says, Yeah, it might have one catch against me.
5: Yeah, these are pro football focuses numbers. And, and look, I know some people get angry at Slay. I didn't love that he responded to Seth Joyner. And I liked what you, Douglas, basically said <laughs> is look, have some respect for the guys who paved the way for you. Seth Joyner is Philadelphia Eagle Hall of Famer. If me or you, Jody, is saying stuff about Slay and he wants to get angry, okay, I I could take that. Mm -hmm. But you're talking about Seth Joyner, a Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Famer. Take it, shut your mouth, and just be better. But when you're talking... Darius Slay as a guy who never thinks he gives up, I don't mind that personality in your corner. You want these guys to have egos. You want these guys to have short memories and line up for the next play. So I don't like that he's retweeting at Seth Joyner, but I don't mind Slay's personality in that he's constantly saying, hey, I can cover anybody. Nobody's getting catches on me. That's a good mentality sometimes as a corner in this league.
3: I don't mind uh, him actually disagreeing with Seth. I disagree with Seth on certain things. There are certain things where I go, come on, Seth, it's 2023. You got to jump into the here and now. But when he's right, he's right. And he was right in what he said the other day. So Slay was just defending himself out of the fact that he didn't want to listen to it. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't actually take into consideration the point that Seth was making, which was dead on accurate. And again, it's all opinions. Slay's got his. Seth's got his. I got mine. Billy C's got his. We can all have opinions. They're not always going to line up exactly the same. But, yeah, I thought Seth hit that nail right in the head. All right. I need your take on this. we got John Michaud is going to join us coming up in uh, five or six minutes because it's been an ongoing topic of conversation since Monday. The Eagles decided to play Kenny Gainwell more snaps than DeAndre Swift in the game on Sunday. And there are varying reasons for it. John and I debated a little bit how important running back's ability to pick up a pass block is. It's important, but it's down the list for me. And if that's something that Kenny Gainwell does better, okay, fine. But then they only kept him in to block one in 39 snaps. Played 39 snaps, was in for pass protection on one of those 39. So how important can it really be? I've seen Kenny Gainwell his entire career here. I've seen the 11 games that DeAndre Swift has played. I can't think of a reason that Kenny Gainwell would ever or should ever get more snaps than DeAndre Swift. And he surely did in that game the other day. What were the Eagles thinking in your estimation? And and Sirianni's asked about it. He sticks to his, this is what we do speech. Well, if what you do didn't work, don't you think about changing what you do coach? Why do you think they uh, ran Gainwell out there as often as they did? I don't get it, Jody. And
5: I agree with you, man, a hundred percent. And, I just don't think they know what's going on sometimes in that running back room. I I don't understand how for games at a time that you just can ignore one of your best playmakers on this team in DeAndre Swift. And it's just so frustrating to me because you heard Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni at their press conferences this week say things that we've been saying now for weeks Watching these games, which is, yeah, we need to do a better job of committing to the run. Yeah, we need to do a better job of getting DeAndre Swift opportunities. And then I think it was Brian Johnson who said that when you're not averaging a lot of yards per carry, it only takes one long run to to change that. Well, that's what we've been saying, especially about DeAndre Swift. This guy has the ability to hit a home run every time he touches the football. Look, Kenny Gainwell, he's an NFL player, he's had some success with the Eagles the last couple of seasons, but he's not DeAndre Swift. He doesn't have that home run potential Mm -hmm. that you have with Swift, and that's what made Miles Sanders so good with this offense last year is he had that ability that if he hit a hole, he could take it to the house. He could get a big run that changes everything. Look what happened in the Buffalo Bills game. They ignored the run in the first half, gave DeAndre Swift three carries the entire first half. They come out in that second half. And what sparked the entire offense? A nice 30-yard run by DeAndre Swift. And after that, offense really got going. So I don't understand why you're giving Kenny Gainwell all of these reps because it also, you look at it from a defense perspective, they're not as scared about Kenny Gainwell as they are about DeAndre Swift. They know they need to account for DeAndre Swift because of that home run potential. So, look, they said all the right things this week, Jody. Sirianni said it. Brian Johnson said it. Sirianni brought coffee out to the guys with the sign, run the ball. But are they actually going to do it? I think they will this week. I think they're starting to see that this is a problem, that they are making themselves one-dimensional, which makes it really easy for a defense to stop. So I I expect a big day from DeAndre. And I looked at the numbers, Jody. The only game where they gave him double-digit, carries in both the first half and the second half was that Vikings game back in week two and Swift put up 175 yards outside of that you look at the numbers they have literally ignored him for halves at a time in over I think it was 12 out of the other 22 halves so you remove the Vikings game like 12 out of the other 22 halves of football this guy had less than six carries in a half you got to give this guy more opportunities, especially behind that offensive line. And and what I'm really hoping happens this week is that they say to their offensive line, look, we're going to challenge you guys this week. Everybody's saying we need to run the football. We're saying we need to run the football. We're going to run the football. We need our offensive line that's supposed to be, and I still think is, one of the best in the NFL to really have a great game in the running game this week. So I'm expecting them to do it on Sunday night.
3: And one narrative that I'm sorry I just wasn't buying that I heard this week uh, from guys with eagle-colored glasses on, oh, well, DeAndre Swift has never run the football this much before. He's on pace to break his all-time, most carries. So they're they're pacing him so they don't lose him. You can't say that on one hand and then be putting Barnett and Sweat out there. Not Barnett. uh, Hassan Reddick and Sweat out there as many snaps as you are. If you've got a great grasp on the big picture that you've got 17 games to play in the regular season and then however, and we must be careful with how we put them out there. I that's the way you're going to manage your football team, that's fine. But you can't go, oh, we can't run DeAndre Swift into the ground, but then go, yeah, Hassan, get back out there for another 80% of the snaps. He could run out of gas too. And oh, by the way, I do think you saw both of the defensive ends. Start to run out of gas in the second half of the game of that that game against San Francisco, which is a little bit scary. All right. He's Bill Colomulo filling in for Johnny Mac, uh, who took off. He's got a Sirianni session that he's got to get to today. We're going to get to a Dallas perspective next. Yeah, that's right. We, we look at it through eagle-colored glasses most of the time here on Street 365. But we like to give you a little balance as well. We go behind enemy lines. And one of the best guys to cover the Dallas Cowboys day in, day out. He does it for the athletic. John Machota going to join us next here on birds 365.
7: Go to get your game on, go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
8: At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
1: They're carving up a, a good play calling
9: along the way. First goal at the On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
3: Three. One, two, three.
1: Because
9: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
3: Appreciate you tuning in here on Birds 365, Bill Calarulo, and for Johnny Mack, who had a Coach Sirianni session he had to get to. So it's me and Billy C. for the last rest of the hour, except for the 30 minutes or so we're going to spend with this guy next. Uh does a phenomenal job uh, covering the Cowboys day in and day out for the Athletic and is always good when we punch him up here on Birds 365. That would be John Michotta, uh, a Dallas Cowboy beat writer from the Athletic. All right, John, I know the first question I want to ask you, because we dealt with this last year here on Birds 365. A lot of people, while the Eagles were compiling the best record in football uh, during the regular season, tied with Kansas City when you finish up 17, were saying, yeah, but they didn't beat anybody. The schedule was soft. The schedule was weak. Yeah, they are blank and blank, but yeah, they haven't beaten anybody. A lot of people saying that about the Cowboys. Yeah, they're putting up these blowout scores against lesser teams with losing records. And like, You got to play who you play. You can't rewrite the schedule. You can't opt around. You can go, hey, can we get a winning team here just so we can uh, quiet our critics that we want to beat a good team? Well, they're certainly going to get that with the Eagles this week. How, how much is that a topic of conversation in Dallas? And I'm guessing both the players and the fans are tired
8: of hearing it.
6: Yeah, not as much recently um, about them not being a good team um, just because of how well they've really responded since that week five loss up in San Francisco. They've been 6-1 and one since then, so there's not really a ton of bringing that up, but I will say when you started saying that, the first thing I thought of was even if they win Sunday night, the next, then, the, then the narrative just moves to, well, but who have they beat on the road? have they been a good road team yet you know so it's just like that just the not because i'll be honestly i mean you guys probably get it as well you know covering you know the eagles and and just seeing the way the eagles are such a uh, lightning rod team and obviously the cowboys i feel like are number one in that that they're the cowboys have to be talked about nationally every single day whether they're good or they're bad and so mm-hmm. they're they're it's not like anybody ever gets on any of these national shows and goes around the group and and everyone disagrees on the same thing. They move to the next topic. So you, you have to have someone always going against whatever it is. So because of that, Cowboys could win this game. And I don't even think it would change that narrative. It would just move on to, well, you know, it's the Eagles. They know the Eagles. Well, they're in their division. They've done well against the Eagles at AT AT&T stadium, but can they go on the road? Because the road is where they'll need to win to win in the playoffs. They haven't shown that they can do that. So it'll just move to the next thing.
5: But unfortunately for Eagles fans, They're not on the road this week. They're in Dallas. And I saw some of these stats, John, and it it blew my mind that the point differential so far at home through six games is plus 151, which is the Cowboys best since 1966. They've also put up over 30 points in all six games with their only third team in NFL history to do that. Joining the 21 Bucks and 2017 Patriots, who both had Tom Brady at starting quarterback,
6: how good is this offense at home, and why are they so good in Dallas? Now, that's a very common question that is asked to players and coaches, and I haven't really had too many answers that I think just hit the nail on the head. I will say, asking uh, offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer about it earlier this week, you know, he pointed to just the comfortability of being at home, going through the same routines, knowing, hey, this is the time I need to be at the stadium. This is the route I take to the stadium. This is how I get ready. This is who I'm, I'm with. I know the playing surface. I know what to expect. You know, this is the first season, and it, and and it'll probably be the only one of the only season. I can't even think of another time where I think that they're going to leave the roof and the doors closed all season long at 18 and T Stadium. There's usually at least one or two games where they open everything up, and and really when that's the case, that it's that, that's when I think it's the best stadium. But they've been winning so much at home with this way where they've become this like indoor team that I think it'll stay that way. But but I think the natural thing for people to say when you go, oh, well, teams won 14 games in a row. It's the NFL, you know, best in the NFL right now. It's the, man, it must just be crazy in there. The fans must be nuts. And, and I mean, they're good, but this isn't like this. It's, there's a lot of difference here. This, there's a lot of building up this last two seasons. So if you're a Cowboys fan, they haven't done anything that make you think anything differently the last two. When you have a team like me being from Detroit, the Lions, where all of a sudden they're having this resurgence, you understand why all of a sudden, hey, it's 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 crazy in Ford Field. People are coming out. It's getting loud in there. There's been no change with the Cowboys other than that they've been winning. So my conclusion is that most of the credit needs to go to Mike McCarthy. He's obviously instilled a plan where this team feels most comfortable at home as a head coach, and then also obviously as their as their play caller. He obviously has them feeling comfortable and clicking on offense when they're at home because. If you guys have ever been to AT&T Stadium, it is not going to be on the top of your list of just the most raucous places that you don't know how an opposing team is going to win there. A lot of times, there's a lot of opposing teams fans there.
3: And If there's going to be any game that's the case, Eagle fans travel as well as anybody in the country. So maybe we'll hear some Eagle fans in the game. Uh, You mentioned Mike McCarthy. I think I should take this time to apologize to Mike McCarthy (laughs) and two other uh, Dallas Cowboys coming into the season, I said, yes, the Cowboys upgraded their wide receiver room by getting Cooks. I, yes, they upgraded their quarter slot, their second quarter to Trayvon Diggs. Little did I know it's going to be Deron Blant stepping up and becoming a good guy. But no, they went out and got an upgraded quarterback and people got him a lot of credit for it. I go, I agree wholeheartedly. However, they're going to take a step back at tight end Wrong. They're going to take a step back at kicker. What do you mean? The guy's—he's he's a soccer player. Yeah, they're going to rat- rat him out there every single. Has just a kick since week one. One PAT has missed a field goal yet. And I questioned Mike McCarthy and his play calling. And I think he's a very good head coach. I think he gets a bad rap as a head coach. I think he's a smart head coach. I think he's a good motivator. I think he knows how to handle a team. Um, but I just didn't know if he's going to be a pretty good uh, play caller. Dak is a top candidate for MVP. So you'd have to say the offense is running pretty damn well. Uh, they checked all three of those boxes. I was wrong on all three of those boxes. I, I, I know Aubrey doesn't uh, factor in, but how much credit do you give the head coach for his play calling this year? Cause I, I thought it was a major question mark coming in. The results are the results. How much credit should McCarthy get for this cowboy offense being as high scoring as it is?
6: Well, I mean, Jody, I think early on your criticism would have been completely warranted. And I, and I, I think a lot of people would agree with you up until that, you know, right after the final whistle, of that San Francisco game, because it did look like this isn't the answer. This isn't going to be the thing that fixes things. But I think there was enough behind the scenes after how ugly that that loss was in week five of San Francisco, where CD lamb spoke up, talked about how, you know, he needed the ball more that he can make a difference that he can do more on, on this offense and then I think that that was a big moment too, where Mike McCarthy looked at that, took that into consideration, but then also felt like, you know, to utilize Dak Prescott to his best uh, attributes, we got to allow him to move a little bit more. You know, Mike McCarthy came in with the with the West Coast, trying to be more of, you know, get the ball out quick to, you know, uh, um, you know, whatever the first read that's open, get the ball out. Let's be on, t- you know, time. Let's keep this thing moving. And where Dak is probably at his best is when things break down and he's able to get out of the pocket, use his feet, not only as a runner, but just to extend plays. And he's done that. And you just since that Niners game, you've just really seen it. not only is Dak played his best, but he just looks so comfortable. And and so yeah, Mike McCarthy deserves a ton of credit for that. He is he has been able, you know, it's a lot of times with an older coach, people think, Oh, well, he's just gonna be my way or the highway, but he has definitely been able to adjust. And I think that's probably the biggest reason. And then if we're being completely honest here. Up until the last five or six games throughout Mike McCarthy's entire time in in Dallas, they just have not had a healthy offensive line. It's always been one player or the other. And this last five or six games, I mean, it has been a ton of continuity. They've had their best five offensive linemen out there, and it's uh, no surprise that it's led to the offense playing as well as it has. And, John, you mentioned Dak
5: Prescott out of the pocket. He has the highest completion percentage in the NFL outside the pocket, the second highest passer rating only behind Lamar Jackson. So the Eagles definitely need to make sure they try to keep him in the pocket. But I want to talk to you about that defense for a second. Jody mentioned Deron Bland, and we know Deron Bland leads the NFL in interceptions with eight, has the NFL record now with five interceptions returned for touchdowns. But you see that game against Seattle last Thursday, and it looked like the Seahawks really went after – Daron Bland. According to Pro Football Focus, they targeted him 12 times. He gave up eight catches for 169 yards and two touchdowns. Did get interception, though. Is it feast or famine with Daron Bland, or was that just an
6: off game for him? I think it was probably a little bit of an off game, but I do find it interesting, though, that they did target him as much. And there have been a couple other games this season where that's kind of stood out as well. As that was part of the game plan, you could tell that quarterbacks were going towards him. But I'd also make the argument, well, yes, that's how you get eight interceptions. Quarterbacks have to be willing to throw and take chances against you because they don't trust that you're going to be able to make these plays. And really, I'm seeing the same thing that I saw a couple of years ago with with Trayvon Diggs. It was the same deal there. You know, he leads the league in interceptions that year. And there was still a lot of like, yeah, but he gives up a lot of big plays. And so what's going to be really fascinating is next year when most likely those will be the two outside starting corners for the Cowboys. So like, what will this turn into? Will there be one game where they have like five picks and another game where they're completely torched? I don't know. I'm fascinated to see, but that that was the knock a lot on Trayvon Diggs too. Um, but I don't, you know, it, I, for this game, I can see too, there'll be a lot of people that make comparisons because specifically DK Metcalf was the one that gave him problems in that, in that game against the Seahawks last Thursday night. And there are obviously similarities between DK and AJ Brown. And so that'll be a fascinating thing to watch. Um, And because of that, maybe that does lead to AJ having a big game. I doubt it though. I've never, I can't think of a corner I've been around that I think is wired better to play corner than Duran Bland. because I'm telling you, he really does not care if he struggles like to where he feels like he's really down, like, like after that game. And even after all the interceptions, he's never like a guy that, I mean, just he kind of stays the same all the time, kind of a quiet guy, very unlike, other top corners. So it'll be interesting to watch, but I don't I don't get the sense that anybody in Dallas is is concerned about oh well now all of a sudden someone like has opened the book on this is how you beat Jeron Bland. They're not feeling that way.
3: JM as of Monday, Shaq Leonard was going to make his choice between either the Eagles or the Cowboys. Basically came down to that. At least that's the way the reporting went. And I'm gonna ask you to share your reporting on it as well. He ended up choosing the Eagles. Was it because of a familiarity with Sirianni? Did the Eagles kick him a little bit more money? Does he think the Eagles have a better chance to go to the Super Bowl? Uh, Dallas is a better state tax. They got a better facility. We we heard all these. Here's the reason why he's going to sign with points of view before he signed. He ended up signing with Philadelphia. Did Dallas really want him? Were they upset? Did they hide the fact that they were upset that they didn't get him? How big a deal is it that Shaq Leonard chose the Eagles over the Cowboys
10: this week?
6: It's funny because I think it's a big deal if 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 we see a Shaq Leonard that looks something like the Shaq Leonard we've seen in, in previous seasons before this year, obviously. And hey, the Eagles got the defensive tackles that I certainly could see them allowing Shaq Leonard to run free and play typical Shaq Leonard ball so I guess it kind of remains to be seen I'll say this about from the Cowboys perspective I uh, was you know as the days went on trending into Sunday it, you know that was when he was supposed to originally it was reported was going to make his decision it didn't seem like the Cowboys really felt like they had a great chance and it didn't seem like they were you know that disappointed I guess I mean obviously they would have liked to have him they brought brought him in for a visit but I didn't get the sense that it like they were really like gutted about it and I think for Shaq Leonard, I think it just, it might be a better fit, better opportunity with the Eagles. I'll tell you the one part that really stood out to me with the Cowboys from the Cowboys perspective is that when Jerry Jones talked about it on Friday, he said, because they met on Tuesday and Jerry went out of his way, you know, met with Shaq and they had lunch. And Jerry said when they were together that they never even talked financials. And I was like, how does, how do you sit down with Jerry Jones to have lunch, even if he's not interested and never talk financials. And so when that didn't happen, I was kind of like, well, maybe he wasn't that serious about it. And so um, just the sense that after that Thursday night game, you know, Jerry, after every home game talks outside the locker room, he just didn't sound like he was really that convinced that they were going to get him. Um, He said the medicals were fine, that that wouldn't have been an issue or anything, but he just didn't. He didn't have his typical Jerry. And and, and honestly, I'm, I am I know exactly what it looks like when he is really like that because it wasn't that far removed from when they've done this same song and dance with Odell Beckham, you know? And so you can kind of read the tea leaves with Jerry. But when I heard that he didn't talk financials with him at lunch, I was like, oh, that's not a good sign.
5: Let's jump over to Dallas' offense for a second. You mentioned earlier that one of the reasons you think they're so successful is they're getting solid offensive line play. We know how good Tyrone Smith is you know how good Zach Martin is. If you're looking at the offensive line, to me, it looks like the one weak spot would be Terrence Steele at right tackle. How's he
6: played this season? Is he holding his own at that right tackle position? Well, he's had some ups and downs. He's coming off of a, you know, season ending knee injury last year and and he was throughout the entire offseason far, far ahead of what they were expecting him to be in terms of just his rehab and how diligent he was about everything he was doing and how quickly he was coming back from the injury. But any of those major knee injuries, you never feel like guys are back to their self completely that first year. And so there's probably a little bit of that. He's had he's had some games where he's really struggled, but for the most part, he's been solid to good. And really, having him out there is has just been good enough because of the fact that not only is it having your best five out there, the Cowboys just don't have very good depth on the offensive line. And so it's like, if you're ranking them in order, like the top five offensive linemen on the Cowboys, that's sixth player whoever that might be it's a significant drop down so it's like even if Terrence Steele isn't playing like the Terrence Steele you've seen in in the last couple of years it's still going to be much better than the alternative you know that that's the thing like we sit here today if you ask me you have to put every penny you have in the bank right now on one position the Cowboys will draft in the first round I don't know what they're going to do that's a long time away but offensive line would be where I would I would bet they just need help not only Starters getting younger there, but the depth there is just it's – a, it's a big fall. If they were to lose one guy in the offensive line, everything changes with their offense.
3: J.M., I want to ask you to turn back the clock to people you talked to, Dallas Radio, wherever you were, hearing people with opinions. On the final drive of game one between the Eagles and the uh, Cowboys, I've been watching football 50 years. I've never seen anything like that. Two plays, 60 yards. Two massive penalties. You let the Cowboys move it from the 14 into Eagle territory with no timeouts left to take all of 14 seconds off the clock. What the hell? Then they get it all the way down to the six. Oh, but then they step back to the 11 and Dak. It's just like massive movement this way, massive movement backwards. We know in the last place, E.D. Lamb catches it, but the Eagles got the picket fence defense up. They're not going to let him get the end zone. He gets tackled. Eagles hold on and win. We know what the reaction was here in Philadelphia. W- wipe the sweat off your brow. How did that play in Dallas? Was it like, oh man, that was such a, great. we're so close. What the hell was Dak doing taking a sack? How'd that play in Dallas that week? All
6: right. So I will say this. I've covered the Cowboys. since my 13th year. That is the most upbeat that I've been, I've seen a post-game locker room after a loss. Most really? Of the, yes, absolutely. I didn't. It was one of those where you didn't even really get really get the feel that it was a, a real true loss. Did some guys talk about it being a loss and how they were, you know, obviously disappointed. It's the Eagles. It's division. Absolutely. But there was like, it was, it was about as much like positivity and momentum. You feel like you could ever build off of a loss. I was very, I, I, I wasn't surprised by it just because, you know, hey, how badly they played again, week five against the Niners, just getting blown off the map. The fact that they hung in there when a lot of people thought maybe the same thing would happen with how talented the Eagles are. So within the locker room and the team, I felt like it didn't hurt their confidence. And it really has shown, like I said, they're six and one. That's a one loss since the Niners game. Outside of it, I will say that it, it was a, man, that's a blown opportunity. I can't believe that they weren't able to pull that out, getting down there like that. But I also think it's a, that final part of the game is kind of a microcosm of the way that people down here look at, the Eagles in terms of them defensively it's they. the Cowboys can move the ball and score points on them. They're not worried about the back end. It's that front end. And the front is just like, like, for example, on that drive, the way Josh sweat just comes free, gets that sack. They, their front is so dangerous that it's like, even though you could be clicking and moving the ball at any minute, a Hassan Reddick, a Brandon Graham, Jalen Carter, whoever, can just ruin that drive and it's over. And that's exactly what happened there, even when they drove down there like that. And that's why you always have to be cognizant of that. And I I think that could be a learning experience for this team. Like, don't take anything for granted because in any any play, that front can absolutely just ruin the game. And and I think that's what you saw there at the end. But yeah, I think most people down here were like, at, at a certain point, you're glad if you're a Cowboys fan that they hung in there, but then you're just like, man, you have to win that game. You get down there like that. That, that has to be a game that you win. And so there, there definitely is disappointment from, from that perspective, for sure, from from Cowboys fans.
5: And you said when you get down there like that, meaning the red zone, and I look at this Dallas Cowboys offense, and they've been great in every single category, but you look at their red zone offense, at least statistically, and it's kind of middle of the pack. So I tried to dig a little deeper saying, how could an offense that's so good only be middle of the pack in the red zone? And you look, They've had by far the most red zone opportunities of any team in the NFL, and they are about top five in red zone touchdowns. But when you look at the conversion rate, it's kind of middle of the pack. I think it's around 17th. Have they been good in the red zone, or is that an area they've struggled with this season?
6: So they definitely struggled early in the year. And to your point, I mean, there was a little bit of, uh, well, we're happy that we're getting down there. You know, Mike McCarthy would, would really point to that, like, uh, as long as we keep getting down there as much as we are, we'll figure it out. And they have been better, no no question about it. And I think a big piece in that is, well, there's two. One is that Jake Ferguson has really emerged as, as their number one tight end, now taken over for Dalton Schultz. And that has grown as the season's gone on. You can just see the confidence build between Dak and him because Dak had a lot of confidence with Schultz these past two years. And so there was kind of, like Joey, Jody mentioned earlier, like, hey, how is this going to work out now? You know, someone has to emerge, and it certainly has been it certainly has been Jake Ferguson at the tight end position, but the other one is Brandon Cooks. I mean, it just the way the season started, you're kind of sitting there and you're just like, "Man, Brandon Cooks is a guy that he's been to so many teams, and everywhere he goes, he makes an impact. Why aren't? He, why isn't he making an impact now? And as the season's gone along, you've seen more of that where he's merged as clearly their number two receiver, and you've seen him being targeted more uh, down there. And then C.D. Lamb has just gotten better. I mean, he. I mean, he's C.D. Lamb. I feel like almost by the game, since I've watched the Cowboys with him on the team, he's improved every single year. He improves throughout this season. He's improved. And so I think all three of those are a big thing. The other issue though, I will say with the red zone is that when they've been good in the red zone in the past, the Cowboys usually have a pretty good running game. Whether you're talking about DeMarco Murray or Ezekiel Elliott, and their run game is just not there. It obviously wasn't there the first time that they played the Eagles. It wasn't there when they played the Niners. And that's one spot that still isn't up to par that needs to be better. So that's one area area that I would point to for, for some red zone issues is that when, when other teams and everybody in the building knows that they're going to run the ball, they general generally don't have a lot of success.
3: night You can answer this question. I've been stating this last two days and maybe I'm overstating it. So please uh, correct me if I'm wrong from an ego perspective, I'm concerned that Michael Parsons could wreck the game and the whole what does wreck the game mean? Everybody's got their own definition. It's a word. It's a phrase that's been created last 20 years. Again, I've been watching 50. So nobody said wreck the game 20 years ago. Now they say it all the time and we all comprehend what it means. And I have fear from an ego perspective that he's that kind of, there's a handful of players in the league that can wreck a game on the defensive side. Michael Parsons is certainly one of them. Uh, I've been talking about, he's so difficult to stop because, he isn't just a right defensive end, that they'll move him around. They'll give him different angles to play. They give him the freedom to do what he wants and attack from different zones. Am I overstating that? How much of it just is he's a right defensive end? Because, yeah, you were there. He came in. Johnny Mac loves taking the victory lap on this. When Parsons was at Penn State, he goes, you know, I actually think he's a better pass rusher than the down defensive lineman than a linebacker. <laughs> it- Cowboys draft him as a linebacker, play him at linebacker. Go, you know we can make this guy a defensive end. We have the need, and he becomes as good a defensive end as there is in the league. And Johnny hit that one right on the nose. How much do they move him around? How uh, do you expect they will do that this week? Are they just going to let him go mano a mano with Jordan Mailata?
6: I mean, he'll, that's where he'll get the most reps for sure. But they'll but they have to move him around, and because the thing is that if you just leave him there. Then it's just not a one-on-one against a, a, an opposing offensive tackle. Everyone comes with some type of a chip. Uh, there's always some extra help there, as there should be. And Micah gets frustrated when he doesn't, when he when he's getting all that attention and he's not able to make these impactful plays. I mean, if I was if I was coaching against the Cowboys, that would be the number one thing that I would say mm-hmm. is that we need to send multiple guys over there because the last thing you want is him to get hot early because it'll feed throughout the game. It'll give him confidence. And you do not want a guy like that to have confidence because he will, as you say, wreck a game. So I do think most of the time he'll be on, on that edge spot, but they will rush him from the middle. There there are times where he'll play some linebacker. I think that that will continue as long as Dan Quinn is the DC because he believes that that's the best way to utilize Micah, where you don't know 100% all the time where he's coming from. And, and to be honest, like other guys will have to step up if that happens, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, Sam Williams, Dorrance Armstrong. I mean, they have the guys, but you can just tell covering this team when, when Micah isn't able to make that impact, even though he is drawing doubles to get other guys open, it frustrates him. There's no question about it. He, the worst thing you can do against the Cowboys is allow him to get going early.
3: Billy, let me follow up and then I'll uh, turn it over to you, which by the way, What what was the first immediate thought when final defensive play of the game against Seattle on Thursday night, they block Micah Parsons with no one. No one. Forget about double D. Forget about a chip. They block him with no one. What the hell was Seattle thinking?
6: So from what I heard after the game and from what Micah told us, the back was supposed to get over there and at least get in his way and then try and get open, I guess. But it just seems like such a – risky play on a fourth down. You know, if you wanted to try that on third, because I will say Geno Smith was doing a great job of getting the ball out, living to play another play when the rush did get through. It might've been the best thing he did in that game. But on fourth down, like, I just, I don't see how that that could have been the play call. Anything sounds better than that. Dude, like I just said earlier, you do not want to let him be the guy. Make somebody else be the one that has to make that play. I mean, heck, you could let one of these other edge rushers come through and they could be so excited that, they hit the quarterback the wrong way and it's 15 yards and you yeah. keep it rolling. But with Micah Parsons, I mean, you just, I mean, that's that, yeah. That, that left me scratching my head because I, I feel like that's a, that is a talented Seahawks team. I felt like they had a chance that they, they could have potentially have won that game. Uh, and, but yeah, had to do that. Yeah. That that's, that's bad. I don't, I don't understand how you could do that in that last play.
5: <laughs> yeah. Let's hope the Eagles don't ignore Micah because that's dangerous, <laughs> dangerous recipe, but you said Michael Parsons lines up sometimes at linebacker, but he's he's an edge. Obviously, we talked about Shaq Leonard earlier. Cowboys have a need at linebacker. You got Marquise Pell playing okay, but then the other guy, Demont Clark, looks like he's been playing a little up and down. Is that an area of concern for this Cowboys defense? Their linebacker position.
6: I mean, it's not great. I mean, I you know that's the thing. Like, you wouldn't bring in Leonard if you were like, no, no, we're we got plenty of linebacker up. Like, for example, let's say with what they have at linebacker, if Leighton Vander Esch was healthy, he's obviously out for the season with neck issue. Um, but if you had him, I don't even think they would bring in Leonard, but there's obviously a need there. I will say that Dan Quinn has done a good job of using his safeties more in like linebacker type roles. And and a lot of that has to do with just how the game has changed with how everything's so spread out and, and the passing games and stuff like that. And that's what Marquise Bell is. He's a converted safety turned into linebacker. And, you know they'll say that they thought he could play as well as he has, but I bet you he's exceeded their expectations a little bit in in that role. And so, yeah, it's definitely not. You don't look at the Cowboys' linebacker position. And go, oh, yeah, this is this is a team strength. It's not, but they have really strong safety play. Their corners have played well, and they, and and they have a very good uh, defensive front. And so, because of that, you're able to hide some of that a little bit. But yeah, no no question, it, it is a position that you know, like I said, first round, I would predict that they go offensive line in next year's draft, but linebacker has got to be pretty high in that list just, too. Real quick, Jody, is Van Der Esch, you think he's done his career? You think he's going to have to retire? I don't know for certain, but it, it, it sounds like that's got to be in the conversation um, shame, just because man. of the position, because he's had some issues like that in the past. And I think for anybody um, in that situation, you have to look at your your life, you know, beyond football and the impact that something like that can have. You know, I thought about that a lot towards the end of Tony Romo's career. I mean, it was just this one back injury after another. And you're just kind of like, I know that you want to play football. You play at a high level, but let's, you know, probably factor in more than that. um And so, yeah, I don't know for certain. I mean, he's still around the facility and all that. um But it, it has to be in consideration at this point. Yeah,
3: You can follow him on XJON, no H, Mishota, Machota, M-A-C-H-O-T-A, If he wants to, he can change his mind and make a different pick on Twitter between now and kickoff Sunday night. We're going to ask him to get on the record with us here, giving him the liberty to change his mind between now and Sunday's kickoff. Eagles, Cowboys, what's the final score going to be?
6: Yeah, I'll go with the same. I'll just flip it from uh, when it was in Philly. I think it was 28-23, but I'll go Cowboys 28-23. When the schedule came out. Um, I felt like the Cowboys would win at home and lose in Philly uh, as the season went along. I've, I've kind of thought that it would be that way as well. And that was before Dak Prescott started playing the best football of his career and before they they made a, a home field advantage out of a place that I just don't see as being a place that would have a huge home field advantage. And then the fact that Mike McCarthy coaches his best ball in December. I would be surprised if the Cowboys don't win this game.
3: All right, J.M., if people want to check out your podcast, how about them them Cowboys? um, How would they best go about doing it? Where can they find it? Because we got some Cowboy fans here, or at least they're (laughs) they're playing to being (laughs) Cowboy fans here. Don't know if it's just challenging other uh, guys on our stream. But I think there's at least some Cowboy fans there. If they want to catch a podcast, how do they do
6: it? yeah it's on uh, it's on Apple iTunes everywhere podcasts are available and then on the athletic I mean we, we usually have links to it in all of our cowboys stories and things like that. so yeah about them Cowboys be listening as, when when's the last episode drop before the game you're doing
3: one this weekend or we, we we actually just did one so yeah it's it's up now so yeah for sure and and there he may have given some little bit because he takes care of his Cowboy fans more than he does us. <laughs> but he gave us tremendous insight here and we thank him for it. Jm always a pleasure thanks, brother. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. John Machoda, Dallas Cowboys, beat re- reporter for The Athletic. All right, he's Calarulo, I'm McDonald. Uh, Johnson uh, he had to get out of here, go do some uh, Eagle Sirianni insight stuff. So Billy C's going to hang around. We got the McMullen pick. We got the uh, Machoda pick. We got the uh, Damo pick. We got to get the colorulo pick and the McDonald pick. We'll come back and we'll get on the uh, record for how we think it's going to play. Eagles-Cowboys Sunday. Stay right here on Birds 365.
9: And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs.
2: Running, walking, or whatever your desires
9: are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675.
2: Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day 1 for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick 'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game
1: Gles Eagles.
3: Thank John Machota for jumping in with us. Uh, does an outstanding job covering the Cowboys day in and day out for the athletic and gives us good insight. He's, I, I've had cowboy writers, broadcasters come on my show forever. The the biggest one ever is uh, Skip Ellis, who just he can't help himself he can't not say something great about the dallas cowboys everything he's the greatest at making excuses i've ever heard um and they've got a couple of guys like that who have been cowboy writers slash uh broadcasters who just see things through cowboy colored glasses way back when when i was a cowboy fan i thought these guys are great uh now that i'm more objective about it i go what are you talking about Michaud is such a straight shooter. That's why we love having him on. He doesn't sugarcoat things. He picked the Cowboys to win the game, which is fine. The Cowboys are favored to win the game. But he doesn't do so in an an obnoxious fashion. That's why we like having John on. All right. This is a little bit of a big game, Bill. Uh, Seeing as it's coming off after the 49er beat down, we know it's at stake. If they lose here, they fall out of first place overall in the conference. The division would be more up for grabs if they win tomorrow. They're not the Cowboys aren't mathematically eliminated, but for all intents and purposes, they will be. Eagles will put the division away. So it's pretty damn big stakes for this game. I, I, I've i been saying this about the Eagles since probably since they beat Miami. They've got three things. They check three boxes. They've got Talent. They've got toughness, and they've got a clutch team. They've been pretty dead. All those games they're winning where they're losing the overall stats and uh, just doesn't add up. The final score doesn't add up to the way the game played, but it always added up with the Eagles with more points. I believe that when I said that, and I'm not changing my mind because they got their rear ends kicked last week against the 49ers. That's one of 11 games, the most important of 11. Well, guess what? This week is even more important now. So I haven't lost faith in the Eagles, even though they got their tails kicked by the 49ers. I think they still got talent uh, slightly superior to the Cowboys. I think they still got toughness, even though that wasn't necessarily evident against the 49ers. I think they're just a tough, I think they're a tougher team than the Cowboys. And hopefully the clutch gene shows itself this week. I'm taking the Eagles. I'm picking the Eagles. I took the 49ers last week. The stream wasn't happy with me, but uh, I did take the 49ers. I'm taking the Eagles this week. Got a little split on the people that have given a score so far here today. I'm going to go Eagles 29-25, which is a bit of a weird score. Um, there could be some go for twos and, uh, and maybe even throw a safety in there. So I'm going 29-25 Eagles. Bill colorado how do you see this Eagle-Cowboy matchup playing out?
5: I'm right with you, Jody. I know they just got their butts kicked by the 49ers. And I think, like I said earlier, you're going to learn a lot about this team. Veteran leadership, Sirianni, the whole coaching staff. I think they win this football game. I think they bounce back in a big way. And I think it's as close to a must-win game as a Week 14 game can be. Not only for the standings in the NFC and the NFC East, I just think for the overall psyche of this team, You have to bounce back after getting dominated like that by the 49ers, and I think they will. I think they'll commit to the run. I think they're going to do a great job on defense. I think the defense is going to surprise a lot of people on Sunday. I have them holding the Cowboys to 24 points, which would be the first time the Cowboys didn't score more than 30 in Dallas this year. I have the – I have the Eagles winning
3: 31-24 on Sunday night. 31-24. I, I I sent a text during the show because Fargey was here with me last week filling in, and he took the Eagles against the 49ers, and he kind of knocked me and mocked me for taking the uh, 49ers. So I just needed to get uh, Fargey's score in. He sent it to me. Damn, I got it written down here. 34-27. So he thinks it's going to be high scoring even more so than you. Johnny Mac said 33-28. Cowboys – Damo said Cowboys close, but he didn't really give us a score. But he said the Cowboys are going to win. So slightly more eagle picks than Cowboys, but it is close. And I think it'll be close on the field. Uh, We'll be back here on Monday to talk about it. Billy C's got another hour yet to talk about it. Bill, have a good power hour, buddy. Thanks for jumping in for Johnny Mac today. Appreciate you, Jody. Have a good weekend, my man. And I appreciate you for jumping in. And if you want to stick around, you can appreciate the power hour. It's next here on... Uh, the Jacob Media YouTube channel.
1: You've been listening to Birds 365.